Good morning, Vernon. Good morning, Devin. Good morning. So uh, yesterday we had Sixers Hawks game one playoffs. Yeah. Any reaction? Yeah. Uh, you know, no panic, right? No panic for me. No worry, honestly. Um, you know, when you break down basketball, um, all, you know, the famous line is, is a, it's a game of runs. You know what I mean? It's a game of runs. And uh, quite honestly, the Sixers allowed a disgusting, you know, 42 to, what was it, 30 run that happened through the whole, through that first quarter. And they never really had, they never really were able to stop the bleeding in that first quarter run. That first 15 minutes, uh, they, they couldn't stop the bleeding. And, you know, that pretty much summed up the game. So they had some moments and some opportunities down the stretch, but they were just an uphill battle from that first run. And, and you know, it's honestly, it's, you know, it's whatever, right? It's it's game on a game two. Yeah, the thing about basketball is somebody's going to fill up the stat sheet every single night. There's always going to be someone that fills up the stat sheet. And if you're not careful – um, you can overreact and sort of like make a mistake based on that. And you see it with guys who get contracts that don't make sense. There's always mm-hmm. a guy who comes off of some team where he's been the guy who's been filling up the – Gilbert Arenas sort of comes to mind, right? Like he could score. He was a good player. Like I'm not trying to say he's a bad player, but yeah. he got treated for a minute there like he was, you know, the, the second coming of great scoring – and he never was. He was just the guy that night, every night for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. there's always and that there's always going to be that guy. And if you key in on that guy too hard on offense or on defense rather, and you know he's still going to fill it up. So yeah, with Trey, you see that right. Trey can God, he is tremendous. He's super talented. Yeah, very but, similar to Gilbert Arenas. Yes, probably yeah, more of a multi different bodies. Yeah, yeah, different body type and different yeah. different player type. But probably you know, probably a score. better leader. Type oh of like, yeah, uh, oh, you yeah. know, type of alpha where he can bring others along. Whereas Gilbert, I mean, is really just a, tr- a troll. And you know, <laughs> even you know, through his career, he was as well. Sure, uh, you know, in terms of. No, how he was portrayed, shall I say? I, yeah. I you don't know him, know him. He but some of the stories, up, some of the stories, he, he oh, didn't yeah, yeah, really yeah. seem to have a lot of leadership. You know, like not the guy that you're like, yeah, I want this guy to lead my franchise. You know. Yeah, well, I, I hear that, and also yeah. I hear like, you know, I, I also know that the stuff that we're the insight that we get into these guys is through a prism of media and all sorts yeah, of other stuff. Yeah, so, yes, yeah. hey, look, Gilbert, like he could fill it up. Any given night, he could fill he could. it up, and Trey can do that, but he can do more as well. I agree. yes, yes, and I and I say it's so funny because you know we had our uh, conversation, and it's like, you know, and look, sports is life, right? Like at the end of the day, sports is life, and it and it's and and a lot of ways, I think my exact wording to you was like we put so much emotion behind numbers, you know, we kind of want the numbers from any any all aspects of life to come in in this certain way in this in this particular box and and quite honestly like when you're looking at and evaluating numbers this is why analytics to me does make sense and and it's something that i, I you know like i do believe has a place in in all aspects of life because the beauty of analytics is they don't it doesn't look at necessarily who you are 
You know what I mean? Like the numbers are really, they just tell a story on their own. It's just sheer volume of numbers that's records and recorded. And we're just looking at what is the likely chance over time. But as humans, we can't help but to like attach this emotion towards numbers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like when we look at a million dollars, somebody could say to you, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollars now. But you won't have any more money after that. And you know what I mean? And like that, that's all you're going to have for the rest of your life is is a million dollars. But you'll get it today. I guarantee you there's a lot of people that would be like, sure, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, sure, I'll take it. But the value, like most of us will make more than that over a lifetime. Yeah, lifetime and, lifetime earnings makes more than that for for many really good careers in the U.S. Yes, but it's just like we don't like we we get like real emotional about money. Like I don't know what it is, but I you know I, I talk about I mean not money but numbers in general. Like I talked sure. to we talked about Ben Simmons and how people were like oh he needs to score twenty, and it's like yeah okay that's that's nice that you have that thought, but how about the fact that the team offense is scoring 125 throughout the playoffs. Like that's enough. We don't need, you don't need anything else from anybody else. That's enough. One of the interesting things, and this is an insight that one of the podcasts that I listen to all the time, he, he brings up is he's like, you know, the, the, there's, there's a saying that for, for engineers that what gets measured gets, gets done. Right. So if you say mm -hmm. like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to do these 300 things by Wednesday at two o'clock, those 300 things get done because it's measured, it's measurable and, and that's how that works. But there's this other side of that saying, which is um, we tend to focus on the things that we can measure, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there's a whole like realm of stuff and this kind of leads into the book a little bit, right? There's this whole realm of stuff that isn't easy to quantify and isn't easy to measure. And if you focus on just what's getting measured, you could miss maybe the most important parts of whatever the tasks are, right? Mm -hmm. So, in the in the context of the book, right, we, we did uh, it's the we did up through the first part of uh, four hour work week, which is like, I guess a a classic in the sort of entrepreneurial like, hey, make your life what you want of it story. And really, the biggest takeaway that I had from the whole thing was like, yeah, I mean, it's about money. Like having money makes other things easier, but really, it's about making your life a life that's good for you and fulfilling for you. Yeah, totally agree. And, and I think that's where the whole idea of like this emotion, and I, and I hope emotion is the right word, but this, this emotion behind numbers um, comes into play because he says a line in there. And, and, you know, just to be clear, like first and foremost, you know, he talks about, you know, just kind of how he got to where he was, right? Like in the book itself, in that in that first part where he, you know he really explains like he's he wasn't a like a super smart person in terms of like academia, like he wasn't like you know 4.0 or any of that. In fact, he was just like he said he was slightly below your average student, but he seemed to be willing to push the envelopes. I mean, the envelope willing to push the line of, you know, whatever was deemed like society's societal norms and challenge things. You know what I mean? And basically 
most people would say he kind of tricked his way into a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And for him, he said he would look at it as I just looked at basically what what it is that it takes to to get into you know winning or uh, the karate match that he talks about or becoming a karate champion in Japan. Like he looked at the rules and he was like, oh, okay, wait a minute, I can lose a lot of weight, fight a bunch of people half my size. And then, oh, wait, I can push people off the mat? Like, oh, I'll just outpower everyone. I'll just do that. <laughs> yeah, push them off the mat and win. And people will hate it. You know, it's kind of like the hack a shack. You know, mm-hmm. like, makes the game look ugly, but, hey, I'm 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 looking and thinking outside of the box to be able to, to make these decisions. And I think, you know, I, I say all that to lead to the point of he makes a statement in there where he says a lot of people always say the line of, if I just had a little more money, everything would be okay. If we just made, you know, families all over this country are saying to each other right now, hey, hun, if we just made 50000 more a year, our lives would be perfect. We would have everything we need. We'll be able to do everything. And the words of my man Biggie Smalls, more money, more problems. <laughs> when you think about, you know, money in, in, in that sense of like, the actual dollar itself. You know, Devin, this country just printed, what was it, two trillion? Three wow, times? A lot. Like yeah. three three times they printed around two trillion dollars already. We only, it was the third stimulus, right? So it was three times. Was you had, and one, and, and not even, was it a full, yeah, full year. Literally like exactly a full year. This country printed six trillion dollars if that doesn't tell you that the actual paper money does not have the value that we we think it has like that should tell you like how like just like money like like i lost a lot of respect for the dollar itself and gained a lot more respect for the things that generate that dollar that's i think that that's the the key insight and the takeaway that he's trying to say is it's like it's not about i mean hey it can be right but like one of the things that he that he did and i think this was this was clever he kind of threw it away in, in the story is he was like yeah he's like instead of just making phone calls and talking to secretaries all day from eight thirty to 9 i just went into work and called from 7 to eight thirty, and before the secretaries were in so the guy was answering his own phone and I got a lot more call. I got a lot more answers and a, and a lot more sales. And he's like, and I was a terrible salesman, but my my hit rate was really high because of this specific like change. And I think like in the context of what we do with entrepreneurship and trying to like build a business, uh, you know, establish some sort of money generation internally. Um, and I don't even like to think about it because, like, money's not my goal. It's definitely my goal, but it's not really what I'm focused on. Like, more what I'm focused on is some kind of lifestyle that I have, like, imagined out, which is I retire and I have a way that I can still keep money coming in that I enjoy so that I have something to do when I'm done, officially done working. And I find it interesting. And I can sort of pull on this lever and get that outcome and pull on that lever and get this outcome. And I can learn and continue to be challenged. Boy, that doesn't sound a whole lot like, you know, uh, making widgets at the widget factory for 
five dollars an hour or seventeen dollars, right? Like it sounds much more like <laughs> mm-hmm. creativity and interest and curiosity and experimentation. That's a lot more like what the show sounds like, and a lot less like, uh, you know, just just working for a living, I guess. Yeah, you know, in the book he talks about retirement, right? And you know, when you think about people with with money, like people who it's so funny, right? So like, I think of law firms, right? And I remember when like first like kind of trying to understand what being a partner meant, and like I'm like, you look at these law firms and a lot of law firms they have all these last names on it, and a lot of these last names these dudes are like playing golf all day, and like pretty much in like retirement lifestyle. You know what I mean? In terms of what we view retirement as. But they're still like either a part of the practice or own the practice. Like they're still benefiting in every way that they've always benefited, even more so financially. And it's like, you know what they do? They And they and becoming partners, like I've always wondered, is there even amount of numbers? Like is there amount of partners that you get to have? Like it just seems like this world where you know, the people who understand money and how things work from a, you know, like a, uh, uh, I guess you say a controlling your own, you know, you know, I guess it would be fine, not financial stability, but like, uh, uh, oh, I'm looking for the word, uh, financial, uh, you know, having your own financial power or whatever. I think it's a term, I mean, it's going to come to me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like people who understand that, right. And use finance finances, not just like create a lifestyle, but they really have financial freedom. There it is. Goodness gracious. They really have financial freedom. Like it's not about working, you know, super hard and, you know, anything like that is about creating things that create revenue, streams of income, things that you can ride off into the sunset and be able to look back and go, yeah, that's coming in you know, in two weeks that, and that's going to be coming in in two weeks and that coming. And you know what they end up doing? Like, like a lot of these, you know, people who start successful business and they, and the whole idea is to pass it down to the family. Like dad'll move out the way and be like, yeah, my son's taking over. He's going to be the CEO of the company. Dad moves out the way, but you know what dad does? He goes to Florida and guess where those checks continue to come. (laughs) (laughs) They follow him to Florida. Yeah. Son takes over. And he becomes the CEO, but dad still gets ownership checks. And I believe the term is mailbox money. Yeah, mailbox money. He just goes, he just goes out right before golf and up. Oh, let me get that. You know, like it's just, it's not what we're taught. It's not retirement as I think I've always been taught to think about it. You know, I think about a lot of the people in my family that have retired recently. They're all back to work. Like they're like three years later, they're all back to work, and it's just because the idea and the way that retirement is presented to us, it's like you save enough money so that you could just live off of that money, and that is just entirely backwards because inflation and what if you live thirty years? In the book, he says if you live thirty years, you you wouldn't even better survive off of hot dogs every day, right? And it's interesting, like to think about it in terms of like. Also, you know, uh, uh, I think that 
hey, if there's something that you want to do that doesn't generate money, um, I think that mm-hmm. it's important that you can do stuff and not generate money. Like life shouldn't just be a absolutely generation experience. Absolutely. But also, if you're you're crazy to not try to align those two interests and that's i mean that's what the show is right like this show is not making any money we're not figuring out how to do that but we are figuring out that like okay there's a way that we could take you know learning and reading together and turn that into something and maybe that's going to turn into something and hopefully somewhere along the way we'll say like oh look these things aligned and vernon's business 2400 the movement's taken off or you know, Devin's business that he's working on is taken off or whatever these things are, they kind of align in such a way that we look around and we go like, okay, so now I'm whatever age and I am retired, but I still have something that I do on Tuesdays and Thursdays that makes, you know, 200 bucks a week. Well, that's not a lot of money, but once you're retired and you've already paid off your house or whatever, you don't need a whole lot like that. That 200 bucks a week is, is so much, it's so much extra. And like, mm-hmm. and it keeps you interested and engaged in life, man. Have you seen the people who retire and then they just sit and they, they waste away and you're like, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to have, you know, just like, just like I'm trying to live my life. That's in an interesting way. Now I'm trying to live my life, set myself up for an interesting life then. And I think that he does a really good job of sort of reflecting on that whole paradigm and being like, well, is there a business that you can have that you could outsource somebody else to run it? And I'm like, I, I certainly don't have that now, but thinking about it in terms of like, hey, is there a business that you can come up with that makes, let's say it makes $2,000 a month and you can let somebody else run it and they make most of it, but you make 175 bucks a month. Well, that's 175 bucks a month that you didn't make before. <laughs> that's just free money, you know? And yeah. uh, is, is there a way that you can make that work? And it's an interesting way to sort of parse the problem and think about like, okay, I don't need to make, uh, you know, $250,000 a year. If I, if the goal is to make $250 a month, I can get my mind around that pretty easily. And so that's kind of, and a, a lot of, a lot of that's, you know, that aligns with a lot of my priors and the stuff that I'm interested in. So. Yeah. And, and I, and I think uh, what do you, what, when you say like, yeah, money, money is never for either one of us. It's never the priority. It's never the goal. You know what I mean? But, you know, I think people also have to understand, like, everything comes at a cost. So at the end of the day, like, ultimately, if you want to do what you love and what you love does not make money, you know, there you, you still got to go out and try to provide. You know what I mean? Like, there there's an importance to provide. And it doesn't mean you have to make, you know, $200,000 a year. You know what I mean? Like, you could, you could, listen, I don't know what my mom made coming up, but I would imagine she didn't make, you know, a ton of money. And she managed to raise three kids, you know, pretty much on her own for the majority of it. And did a good and, job. Yeah. And, and we never went hungry. And I, I don't think she made much money at all, but she, she found a way. And so that's the other part of it is, you know, it's important to understand that, like, no matter how much you make, you know, how you live your life and how you spend your money is, in my opinion, and it sounds like in the book as well from his writing, is so much more important. How you spend your money and your time is so much more important than saving. Like, so much more important than saving. 
You know what I mean? Like, like you, you save much more than I do, right? Like you, you save much save more than lot. I do. Yeah. You save a lot, but it's but in, in in all honesty, I don't think you save it all. You just every way that you think when you spend money, you, it's very conscious, and it and it's a decision based on you know like you're you're not just spending and I'm just giving my money away. Like you're a very thoughtful spender. You know what I mean? Like when you want quality, you're gonna spend on quality when you want you know on the corners on the areas where you're like ah that's not necessary i'm not paying someone to come out and do x y and z i'm gonna do it myself you know what i mean like you're you're a very thoughtful spender i'm not yeah yeah i'm a pretty thoughtful spender but i do think that it's because and i think you sort of hit the nail on the head it's like i look at i look at it like it's a trade-off Yes. I I look at what I'm, what the choices that I'm making, like they're trade-offs. And I think that that's kind of one of the things that he's talking about in the book is like, how can I look at this idea of learning a new skill or whatever? Like, how can I investigate the trade-offs and try to maximize the amount Mm -hmm. that I'm effort that I'm putting forward for return? Yep. Right. So part of the reason that I spend what a lot of people don't think is a lot of money is because a, my hobbies are cheap which is fortunate, right? But also my hobbies are cheap because that's where I get a like I get a lot of reward going hiking, like a ton of reward. It meant that I had to move to Colorado, but like I get a lot of reward out of that and it's cheap. Um but I'm maximizing the reward. I'm not maximizing the savings, so it kind of just works out. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. And you know, it it absolutely does. Um but I I'd say you know, from the book's perspective, you know, time, time is not valued enough um, from us. And I think one of the other things that he explains is, you know, a, a way to make a lot of money and still enjoy your time is to teach. Teaching others and showing others how to take some of the things that you, you know, like you do all the work. Figure out this This is like, you know, outsourcing. You know, if you look at it from outsourcing, like I'm going to bring you to customers. I'm going to set it all up. I'm going to make it simple and streamlined for the customers. I just need you to go from point A to point B. Think of Uber. Like the sure. person who thought of Uber. And like if that's not like four-hour work week type stuff, man, like that, that is this book like in a nutshell. Like I don't know, I don't know the person's name, but whoever had the idea – there's been hat cabs, you know, the idea, I don't know if you, you're familiar with, with the hat cab. In the city when I was coming up, you know, every every bus terminal, there'll be these old dudes mostly, and they would basically just be there offering rides. It's like hat taxi cabs, not real cabs, just their own car, Uber style, mm-hmm. and they would just go, yeah, you know, $5 for a ride, and they would take you wherever you need to go, you miss the bus and stuff like that. Very unsafe, very, very skeptical type of, sure. you know, like a little, a little concerning if sure. you got a friend or, you know, a relative getting in hat cabs every day. Like, like it's worrisome. But someone in Uber, you know, whoever started it, I don't know the guy or the woman's name, decided to take that idea of a hat cab, put a, put a few technical advances towards it you know meaning a lot of technical advances sure not as many as everybody thinks yeah exactly (laughs) and and literally is like i don't know what 
type of revenue that this person makes every year, but I imagine it is ridiculous. And guess what that person probably does not do? Drive an Uber. He does not drive an Uber. I don't know if he operates any of the Uber. uh, I don't know if they operate any of the Uber, you know, locations. Uh, you know where where they're like in front that. taking names. They're not printing out stickers. <laughs> you know they're probably not doing anything other than from maybe a technical side in some big office in the Uber headquarters, where you know they spend a few hours just coming up with new ideas. How yeah, are we I mean, moving it forward? Well, that's a. I mean, I, I imagine that we're going to end up talking about this. He sort of mentions it in the book. I've I've never read the book, so there's this stuff coming up that I'm assuming that we're going to get to, which is like working on the business and working in the business, right? Those are those are two different things, and you mm-hmm. you know about that, and I know about that like practically, but there's a whole another level of it, which I think you're kind of like hitting the nail on the head, right? Which is, yeah. hey, there's, and I guess he sort of talked about it in in his own book a little bit already, but that's what it's going to be, man. It's it's all about like, are you? There's times where you need to make some dinners, which is what you're doing right now, right? But mm-hmm. there's also gonna be times where you need to kind of get that next level up and start figuring out like, okay, so how do I grow this portion of the business? How do I scale this part of the business? How do I do this other activity that makes the business more valuable sort of long-term? And I guess that leads to a good you know, setup for, for mm-hmm. how your week was. So why don't, why don't you tell me how uh, making some dinners went? Ah, uh, uh, it, it went great, man. It went great. We totally, we did two things really great. So the first time around, we did not plan well enough from a from a financial end of things. Like we overspent way too much. Uh, really, just didn't do ourselves any justice. Like I think we might have made like last time around maybe like two bucks off every meal, just because we overspent. Like you know, it didn't cost us two bucks to make. I mean, a bunch of money to make every meal. It it just was that we spent so much more than we needed to that sure. all you know overall the comeback was like two dollars off every meal. This time around, we made about thirteen fourteen dollars off of every meal, somewhere around there thirteen dollars off every meal. Uh, we put out eight hundred bucks um, to do the whole thing, mm-hmm. and we totaled seventeen hundred dollars. Okay. And walked away with a nine hundred dollar profit okay. off of off of this this last one, and and there were even there's even steps we can take to go like you know we did some higher quality stuff uh, um type of cuts of meats and stuff like that where you know it won't always be that high of a quality sure. you know what I mean and and there's a there's a lot of little things that we could do to go ahead and and even improve that number more, but sure. in terms of just you know how we did it is we cut back on the types of um you know sides and things like that that we were having and we streamlined it made it very simple uh made it made it really easy um for us on the day of as we're preparing it and then we took help from some family and we basically created a kitchen uh each one of the three of us we handled a a a, a, you know a a cooking station Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and each of one of us had our cooking stations, and then um, the ladies got involved, and they handled the front of the house. So they organized the orders, they put the bags together, um, the send off for the deliveries, and then we did the deliveries. You know, it was, and we had someone do deliveries. So it just, it was, 
it was perfect. It went from started cooking at three thirty, and I think we got done cooking at seven o'clock. So look, and four, four hours, four hours in and out, seventy meals. Sounds like it was a organizational success this time. I know yes. like last time it was kind of like fly by the seat of your pants. This time mm-hmm. it sounds like you guys put together a plan, executed on the plan, and uh, and had a, a, a decent win, it sounds like. Yes, and and that felt great. So the last time around, we were like, ah, we're going to do another one, but I don't know when. Like, <laughs> I'm dreading this day. I don't want to do it. Um, this time around, I'm like, yo, let's, we could do one next week. Like, let's go. You know, I was so inspired. I came home, and I literally dreamed of a sandwich. <laughs> that I that I needed to create, um, I, and and then I woke up the next day. I ran to the store to start buying it. in In the car at red lights, I literally designed the sandwich, like drew the sandwich out, the layers of the sandwich at every stoplight. I'm like, ooh, I gotta get, I need a sweet touch. I gotta get this, and I'm literally like an artist in between every stoplight, like you know, drawing out this sandwich. And uh, and then I raced home and and I and I created it's it's a chopped chicken sandwich is what it is and uh, it, it's inspired by I didn't want to do a pulled chicken because it just dries out so um, I wanted to do something that was pulled pork you know kind of esque mm-hmm. but with a but not without doing shredded chicken because it just dries it you end up just can, getting dry, yeah. dry behind a piece of chicken and it's hard you know one thing about you know doing what we're doing is we're learning what it's like to run a takeout spot and what works well um as far as like you know serving at a takeout spot knowing that people aren't going to be eating food hot right then and there they're going to be taking their food to go which is the direction that we're headed in and I never even thought that it would be going this direction, um, you know, a year ago, but the direction that it looks like we're heading in is into this takeout spot where we're just going to sell foods that are really high quality, but, um, just, you know, done up in a, in a way that's different from us. Like this one, they're all incorporating the rubs and we got like four different versions of wings that are like, I put up against any wing, um, you know, it, it's just, it's incredible. These wings that I'm, I'm like, these wings are unbelievable. Smoky fried wings. And, you know, you could probably, anyone can smoke and fry a wing. But the thing is that they don't have the seasonings that we have. And these seasonings and those wings and that combination is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, well, that's, a, I think it's, it seems, it seems like you guys got like a little, uh, you're on to something yeah so you're, right you're you're pulling that string and yes. kind of figuring out where it is right and like okay so take out like that plays to the team's strength yes and seasonings okay and like you're kind of pulling on the string and seeing where it goes and i like that from a you know a, a business generation idea right is you're yeah. not committed to saying like oh we're, oh, we're just like spices yes we're this we're it's not we're we're this it's we're this but maybe we're that and we're, we're kind of figuring it out and meanwhile you're making a little bit of money. I mean, 1800 bucks making dinners for the three of you on a weekend. Yeah, they can't feed us. With, can't with feed the wives. Them. Like, that. that's, you guys didn't didn't really make any money. You know no, what I mean? No, like, no, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. But, what it showed us is like, all right, in four hours, 
we can make 800 bucks as 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 a takeout spot and we can recreate see that's the thing and i know we're going long in the episode but it's our show um that's the thing is i'm telling you i said to rodney um as we're cooking you know like and and i gotta get this in like in the kitchen because rodney's you know he's a chef this is what he's done for a living yeah and i'm like you know i i consider myself a culinary artist Sure. Uh, like all seriousness. Like I know sure. people think I'm like this this idiot over nah, here. No, you he's, love he's it. Fun. I love it. I'm a culinary artist. Like I literally like and I don't even eat it. I made this sandwich yesterday for four people. I didn't even take a bite. You know why? It's kinda like you know when you hit it when when guys hit a three and they turn hang around. their hand in there and they turn around and they, <laughs> they don't even need to look at it. That's me when I'm cooking. I don't even eat it, Devin. I I know it's good. Like oh, yeah, you've been so, tasting it the whole way. Yeah, not even 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 then, but beyond that, I'm so cocky with it. You know, I don't even eat it. They go, my wife goes, "What do you think of the sandwich?" I'm like, I don't need to try it. And I like, I just know, I just knew it was it was a calling. But anyway, when we're cooking that day, uh, smoky fried wings came with two of the seasonings that I smoke it with two of the seasonings, and then. We got this the fast ed kind of sitting on the table. What we what I make the barbecue sauce out of. So I had no, no conversation with Rodney at all. Rodney's working the fry station. I look over my shoulder, and he's taking the wings out of the fryer, nice and hot, and then he's shaking the fast ed on top of it. The fast ed is sugar and chili peppers is like the the main ingredients in there. What happens to sugar when it hits hot oil? It turns to candy. And sure, crystallizes yeah. right away. Yeah. So I grab a wing and I'm like, holy crap. It's like a dry crystallized barbecue sauce that immediately it turns into. It creates an oil. Then he drizzles the barbecue sauce on top. And I'm just like, damn. It, I've never thought of that. And I was like, yo. we." And I said to him, I'm like, bro, we, we're going to have like five takeout spots somewhere in this area. And we're not even gonna be there. We're gonna we're gonna set these things up, and 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 we're gonna get you know bring the family along, bring people along, and we're gonna do this not just every couple of weeks, but every day at a takeout spot where you know we're just gonna check in, we're gonna help, we're gonna set it up, but it's gonna make it's gonna work for us, you know, when we're not even when we're sleeping, when we're doing something else, when we're you know whatever, when you're shooting a video. You know, in Miami, you're going to be making money at five takeout joints somewhere in this area. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's coming, man. It's coming. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, dude, it's, it's right on. It's, it sounds like you guys are killing it. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love it, man. It's great. Yeah. I got to get you. When you come to, t- when you come to town, I'm, I'm going to bless you. <laughs> we might have a I'll- dinner just because just, just you're in town. I'll eat for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. So how, how about you, man? How was your week before we close this thing out? It was good, man. So I have this idea that I'm working on. Um, and it, it's a it's kind of like a an issue that I like sort of see happening and hear about and like chit chats with, with people. And so here's here's basically the, the fundamental problem. Um, and we'll put it in terms of, I guess, the takeout spot. Right. Mm-hmm. So. The takeout spot, let's say, would have a website 
right? That mm-hmm. covers like what it has. It would have maybe an email campaign, right? Mm-hmm. And it might have, uh, you know, you might have like a, a, a social media, right? And then perhaps, I don't know, let's just imagine it's just those three, right? Mm-hmm. And the website is, let's say, WordPress or whatever, some website solution, kind of like Shopify, right? Mm-hmm. And then the emails, well, that's done by MailChimp because that's a different solution. And then the um, social media you'd use, let's say, let's say you use Hootsuite, right? Well, let's say, you know, it's three o'clock or something like that. And you're like, okay, well, I want to, on Saturday, I want to put this on sale. You have to kind of remember all three places to put it on sale. Yeah. And so keeping all those things in sync is challenging and it takes this kind a specific kind of knowledge, which is like internal sort of uh, like uh, I, there's a, there's a word for it that they use. They, they call it like tribal knowledge, right? Like the only the people in the company that are in the tribe know how to update these three things or these four things. And the bigger the organization gets and the more tools you have, the more complicated that gets. And it's a real pain point. And so I, I'm trying to figure out like a way that I can sort of build a tool that lives in that space. Cause it's interesting to me and, mm. and it's a genuine pain, right? Like you, if you guys have not put the price on sale on the website, but you have put the price on sale on Twitter, well, all of a sudden now the price on the website is out of sync and you have a customer show up and they say, Hey, you know, why is the price wrong? You said it was X and it's Y. Um, and like that sort of stuff makes the business look not professional. Um, you know, loses customers, loses sales. So it's, it's directly tied to money. So with the space I like, I just don't really know how to make it a small enough problem that I can solve just as one person, right? Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so what I've done so far, like the last like two weeks, is sort of as I'm sort of thinking about it, I'm sort of jotting down these ideas and trying to figure out like what's the way that I can make this the smallest possible problem that I can, what's the spices, right? Like how can I make something that I can do <laughs> That, that's small enough in scope that, that, that it's achievable. And then I can start figuring out, okay, well, spices might turn into takeout, which might turn into something else. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same exact idea. So that's what I've been working on. It doesn't have a name. Mostly just has an idea right now. But uh, that's what I've been working on. And we'll see, see where that goes. I, I'm chasing that thread a little bit. And I've been interested in it for like a couple of months now. Like it's been kind of something I've been kicking around. So I, I think it... I think it might actually be something we'll see yeah no sounds like it i mean a lot of that stuff is is necessary because just doing this you realize all of the different places you got to go just to put information out so the much. more streamlined you can make that information i mean that that process like the easier it is for a business period you know what i mean more automations the better Really, because you don't have enough time, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that amount of time that you have to spend on stuff is is limited. And the last thing you want is like, you know, right right now you have your your, your wife doing most of the social for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, and so that, that works great. But, you know, let's say you guys had a, you know, hired some kid coming out of coming out of college or coming out of high school to do that same task. Well, if they move on, which you want them to move on, right? They're getting your job to get some experience and you pay them and it's, they're off to their next job and congratulations. For sure. But you don't want to lose that internal knowledge of how to do that. 
or mm -hmm. when to do that or what that timing looks like. So figuring out a way to kind of put that together, I feel like is it's valuable. So for sure. So yeah, so that's, sure. that's what I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, you got any? You got anything that you want to you want to note before uh, before we close the show out? No, not not really, man. We got a, you know, we got a big show coming, coming up. up. We're gonna be doing a June nineteenth show. Uh, I believe, you know, it'll be a day or so before the nineteenth. Uh, yeah. So we'll do we'll do a big show. Maybe we'll drop it on the nineteenth. Maybe that'll be the that'll be the good time to do the extra show. But we're gonna do a June nineteenth special um, show. So we'll make a plan. We'll make some plans for that. Maybe there'll be a pop up show on that. Day. There you go. I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Other than that, man. Hey, catch us on the processesblackandwhite dot com. Also search the processes black and white on all your social media platforms: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, we'll pop up. And have a good day, man. Enjoy your day, Deb. You too, man.